All right, all right. Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I want to thank you again for the opportunity that you've given me to preach to you. I have preached to a lot of churches since I left First Church, and I want to tell you, I've preached in some churches where it was very hard to preach, and you folks like to wore me out last Sunday. <laughs> I had to call Kent and apologize. I, somebody put it on Facebook, the video, and I looked at it, and I don't try to watch myself. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but I, I looked at it. I preached 42 minutes. I don't ever preach 42 minutes. I got scolded when I got home. You preached too long. So I apologized to Kent. He was like to wore me out last Sunday. You're a great church to preach to. I told Kent this week, I said, man, you're, you're, you're in for some good stuff because you are a great church to preach to. And uh, I, I appreciate it very, very much. I want to tell you, though, uh, how much, how much it is meant for me to be here. Almost a year ago, I got really sick. I won't go bore you with all the details. But I had three surgeries within six weeks. Then I developed this neurological, say that for me, I can't say it. That's it, that's it. Problem where I jerk violently at night for hours and hours. And uh, they thought it was Parkinson's, they thought it was MS. Four doctors could not find out what was wrong. My friend, Dr. Ty Brown, neurologist, did a thing on my head and he said, we didn't find anything. I said, well, I didn't think you would. <laughs> you know, no. So on December the 17th, I don't have time to tell you the story, but on December the 17th, the Lord healed me in a marvelous way. I did not think that I would ever preach again. My family did not think that I would ever preach again. But you gave me the opportunity to preach. And being here has assured me that God's not finished with me yet. <clears throat> because I thought, it, I, thought it, I thought it was. So I, I, I love you and will always appreciate you for that. And I love this new preacher of yours. Uh, he's a wild man, but I love him. I'm a wild man. We connect really good. And his first lady. And I know you love them. And I just expect great things to happen uh, here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Troy's up in the roost. And Troy's going to read my scripture. And uh, Troy has a voice like God. Just listen. It's beautiful. I wish I had it. Listen, Troy. Okay. Watch the screen. It's on the screen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in our sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces 
in your patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received a sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's the word of God for the people of God and all God's people said. Will you pray with me, please? Now, Father, I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear. We pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Dr. Gregory Stock has written a little book called The Book of Questions. It includes 275 questions that will make you uncomfortable. Listen, if you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Why haven't you told them? Mm. You discover that your wonderful one-year-old child, because of a mix-up in the hospital, is not yours. Would you want to exchange the child to correct the mistake? If you, (laughs) I like this one, if you could use a voodoo doll to hurt anyone you choose, would you? (laughs) My friend Wayne Smith down in Lexington, Kentucky says, If hating ever becomes right, I got my man picked out. (laughs) When parking late at night, you slightly scrape the side of a Porsche. You are certain no one else is aware of what happened. The damage is minor and would be covered by insurance. Would you leave a note? Now, I read about a fellow who liked that, only except people were watching. And as the crowd looked on, he took out a piece of paper and wrote the following message. A number of people around me think I'm leaving a note that includes my name and address and phone number, but I am not. (laughs) And he carefully folded the paper, put it under the windshield wiper, smiled at the crowd, and drove off. What a dirty dog. What a dirty dog. (laughs) A couple more questions. If you found a good friend had AIDS, would you avoid them? What if it was your brother or your sister? This one's my favorite. (laughs) If you were at a friend's house for Thanksgiving dinner and you found a dead cockroach in the salad, what would you do? Mm. Think about that. Questions force us to come to terms with issues. You are beginning a new phase in the long and storied history of Burlington Baptist Church. And it's a good time for you to press the reset button and ask, what kind of community is this community 
we call the Burlington Baptist Church. Now, folks, our Christian faith gives us two things. First of all, a relationship with Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. Burlington Baptist Church is devoted to the person of Jesus, the Son of God, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was died, crucif- was, was crucified and died and buried, descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, as seated at the right end of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That's our faith. But our faith, our faith offers us also a relationship with people. Now, let's, <laughs> let's be very honest this morning. God has some weird children. <laughs> Do you agree? God has some strange kids. He really does. But here is the thing. We have to live together in a relationship with one another in the context of a Christian community called the church. Now, every now and then I run around somebody, and I think it comes from the New Age movement. It says, well, I'm a spiritual person, but not a church person. Now, in seminary, in graduate school, in Greek, I learned a Greek word for that, baloney. (laughs) Baloney. You can't be spiritual without the church. That's just a fact. Because salvation is both personal and individual. It is not private. We live out our Christian life in a community of believers. Now, it's interesting how the word community is defined. Look at this. This is how the word community is defined. A partnership of free people committed to the care and nurturing of each other's minds, hearts, body, and soul through participatory means. Now, is that a definition of the church or what? We are united in our belief in Jesus as God's Son, our Lord and Savior. And we are committed to the interest of caring and nurturing and serving each other's mind, body, and soul, coupled with a common desire to spread the gospel and the good news of God's love and grace. So my question is, what is this community called Burlington Baptist Church? In my text, there are three things that I think you are, three very important things you need to think about as you begin this new new phase. First of all, Burlington Baptist Church is a community of faith. Burlington Baptist Church is a community defined by our faith. And this is in the opening words of my text. Verse 1 says, Paul, Paul makes it very clear. He says, the church of God. See, Paul is very precise here. It's not just any church. It's not just any God with a small g, but the church of God. And then he goes on to say, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 9 he says, we rely on God who raises the dead. Now, Burlington Baptist Church is a community defined by its faith. And as a church, we believe that you have to believe something before you can be something. Does that make sense? See, our behavior is based on what we believe. 
We are a community of faith centered on God the Father, who, the God who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and God who raises the dead. Now, you're familiar with the Gallup poll people. You know they make, they make polls. They made a poll and asked people, why do you go to church? And folks, the answer surprised me and maybe surprised you. The biggest answer was, I go to church to experience God. Hmm. Now, that's not an unreasonable uh, expectation because this is a community focused on God. And when people come in here, when you come in here, we do everything we can up here to turn your full attention to God. And I'll tell you, that's not easy. That is not easy. Because you come in here with a boatload of garbage and a boatload of stuff. All that happened last week. All that you're worried about this coming week. And it's tough for us up here to do everything we can to get you to see God in the songs, in the scriptures, in the sermon, and in the supper if you take it. Now, that's hard work. But when we do that, you should leave here with something that is so deep and so satisfying and gratifying that words cannot describe it. I want to tell you something, folks. You have something here that a lot of churches don't have. I get around a lot. You, you've got something here, and you better appreciate it and, take, and thank God for it. So we are a community defined by our faith. But I want you to notice something else that we need to hear in this day and time. We are not a community defined by our fears. We are not a community defined by our fears. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.1. Therefore, since God through Christ, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, the message translation translates it like this. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into an occasional hard times. Now, we live in fearful, fearful times. Folks, our country is in the worst shape morally and spiritually and politically and judicially and educationally and financially and socially than I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And I am greatly concerned. And I pray for my country every day. Every day I pray for my country. And I get discouraged at times by what I see, just like you do. But I am not pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. Because the church, the community of faith, upholds me in my belief in a sovereign God who is still in control of history. Amen? I have noticed recently in conversations with people, oh, LD, this is such a terrible time, you know. And they talk more about the power of Satan than they do the power of Jesus. Satan is alive and well. Yes, he is alive and well. But let me tell you something. Look at Scripture. Study your Bible. Satan is defeated. Now, will Satan have us for breakfast? That's not what Paul says. Look at this. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal possession in Christ. Now, we are secure in Jesus, in Jesus against the devil and his demons. Get that. Now, 
I know that it seems like the devil is attacking Christians like never before. More Christians are dying now than ever before. But I want to tell you, he may win a few battles. He is not going to win the war. There's a famous painting called Checkmate. And it shows Christian, a Christian who's playing chess with the devil. And the Christian makes just the right move against the devil. And the Christian says, checkmate. The game is over. Now, on Good Friday, <laughs> the devil and his crowd said, we won, we won, woo, we won. But on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus walked out of that tomb and he announced to the devil and his crowd, checkmate, the game is over. And that is the teaching of the New Testament. Folks, in this time, don't forget, God is still sovereign. God is in control of history. Jesus lives and we will live. Now, for those of us who are worried about the political mess that we're in, we had a missionary at First Church not long ago. He's from Canada, Jim, Jim Toon, great guy, great preacher. Jim Toon said something that really encouraged me. He said, we don't follow a donkey, we don't follow an elephant, we follow a lamb. And the lamb wins. And the lamb wins big time. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, King of kings and Lord of lords forever and forever and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you start talking to me about the devil, I'm going to tell you he is defeated. Now, evil is real. You walk out your front door, you're confronted with it. Evil is real. And I believe Satan is real. I believe he's very real. Shoot, I met him in a deacon's meeting one time. He's very real. We are not a community defined by our fears. Burlington Baptist Church is a community defined by faith in God the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and a God who raises the dead. There's something else in this text that I want to pull out. Burlington Baptist Church is a community of comfort, of comfort. Look what Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. One of the great New Testament scholars of our day is N.T. Wright, and I would recommend his books to you. N.T. Wright says this, The whole idea of the word is that one person is being with another speaking words which can change their mood and situation, giving them courage and new hope, new direction, new insights that will alter the way they face the next moment, the next day, the rest of their life. Comfort meets people where they are and brings them right to the point where they are strong enough to see new hope, new possibilities, and new ways forward. Now, that's good preaching. That's good preaching. On Memorial Day weekend, I preached at the Woodland Hills Christian Church in Abingdon, Virginia. Our son-in-law, Lee Faust, is the executive pastor there. And our daughter, Johnny, uh, 
She got a good role model how to be a good pastor's wife. She, she had the best model that she could have ever seen. Johnny's involved in the music ministry. She plays in the worship band every Sunday. She got involved in the ladies' ministry. They're trying to revive it. She got involved in that. And she's on the prayer team. Well, between the services that morning, I met this very perky lady who said to me, Mr. Campbell, I need to speak to you. And I said, okay. She said, I want to tell you what your daughter Johnny means to me. I came here a broken person. And I needed somebody that I could be real with, that I could be transparent with. And I needed somebody that would be real and transparent with me, not this phony, pious stuff, but would be real and honest with me. And I went to your daughter on the prayer team, and she heard my story. And she was compassionate, and she was real, and she was transparent with me, and I could be transparent with her. And your daughter gave me hope and comfort to go on, to make a new beginning. And I said, Siri, her name was Siri, just like, like on your telephone. <laughs> I said, Siri, what is your story? Now, let me give you the short version. I wish I had time to give you the long version. She said, Mr. Campbell, my father was a Lutheran pastor. We lived a very meager life. She said, sadly, I was molested in the basement of my father's church. I went to college. I fell in love with a man who was an economics major, and I thought for the first time in my life, money, money, money. We graduated. We were married. We were working. In the middle of the night, he woke me up and said, honey, I've got the call. And she said, off to seminary we went. He graduated, was ordained a pastor at the Methodist church. Matter of fact, they served a church in Alexandria, Kentucky. He was working in the church, at the church. He was listening to a baseball game. And some pitcher was pitching a no-hitter. And he went to our house, the parsonage, right next door to the church, to finish watching it on television. Some men were working on the gas lines in front of our church. Something went wrong. And our church and half of our house was blown to literally to bits. But my husband was saved because he was in the half of the house that was not blown up. But, she said, if he had not gone home when he did, he would have been blown up. When the church blew, we took our two boys on a camping trip. My husband got a bacteria from the soil. I never heard of this. Got a bacteria from the soil and was dead in two weeks. One of our sons got the same bacteria. He lived, but after months and months in the hospital. Now here I am, a young widow with two boys to raise. And it was tough. She said, my boys are grown now, and they're in college. And she said, it breaks my heart to have to say that my boys are confessed atheists and are addicted potheads. But through your daughter's compassion and love, I found a family here. I, I found people that comfort me. I have new hope. Now, folks, our daughter Johnny has never experienced any situation that Siri has, nothing like it. But her compassion, her comfort said to Siri, 
I am concerned about you. I am here for you. I am here to fortify you. I'm here to help you stand. And they become very good friends. I went hiking the other day. That's a little too much for me. Burlington Baptist Church, let me tell you. There are series all around Burlington Baptist Church. We have been called to be a community of comfort. But I'm going to tell you, you can't do that unless you slow down and get your mind off yourself. How many times do you come in here and it's just me, myself, and I? You can't, you can't comfort someone else when you're so bound by yourself. You, you've got to get your mind off yourself so that you can reach out to the series. And if you're a Siri here today, let me tell you, come out of the shadows. Let Burlington Baptist Church comfort you and love on you. This is a grace place. And you take heart. We're all in this together. And as, 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 as Ken says, we, we, we come here broken. We need the Lord as much as anybody else. So we're in this together. So what is this community called the Burlington Baptist Church? We are a community of faith. We are a community of comfort. And then in this text says, we are a community of hope, of hope. Look at this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. This is the Apostle Paul, greatest Christian since Jesus. Look at this. And J.B. Phillips translates this verse this way. We had this experience of coming to the end of our tether. Now, Phillips is in English, and they say tether. We don't say that. We say we came to the end of our rope. Here is the Apostle Paul at the end of his rope. And he come to the end of his rope where there was no more room to hold on. But at the end of that rope... There was the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who raises the dead. Did Paul throw up his hands in despair and quit? No, he held on when there was hardly any place to hold on to and kept going. Why? Because he possessed a living hope. Look at this. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Woo. Paul was at the end of his rope. All that he had left, we despaired even of life. All that he had left, what kept him sane was his faith in God who raises the dead. And he possessed a living hope. You know what Siri told me? This bright, perky lady, you know what she told me? Mr. Campbell, I still have the joy of the Lord. Now, how in the world could Siri go through what she went through and is still going through with her boys and possess the joy of the Lord? She did. Siri believes 
in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and she is relying on God to raise her husband from the dead. That's our hope. That's our hope. And when you are going through hell, we have a hope. We have a hope in God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who raises the dead. Romans 8 is a wonderful chapter. Read it again and then. When you're going through, when you're going, when you're, when you're holding on, read Romans 8. Romans 8 starts with no condemnation and ends with no separation. And in the middle, it says nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing that life can throw at us, nothing that hell can throw at us is going to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I look back over the years, our wonderful years at First Church, and uh, long ministries are wonderful. But I tell you, it got really tough and gets really tough when you bury your friends. And now, down through the years, I buried some wonderful, wonderful friends. And every time I go to First Church, <laughs> I miss them. I miss them. I miss them. You know, and I miss my grandmother. She's been dead 25 years. I miss my grandmother as much today as the day she died. I do. And I often ask Joyce sometimes, wonder what our old people are doing up in heaven. wonder what they're doing. But you know, I don't feel separated from them at all. <laughs> I'm just waiting on the next chapter to unfold in the goodness and the grace of God. They're waiting over there. I'm waiting here. God's with them over there. God's with us here. God's on both sides of the grave. And they still love me. I still love them. And I am relying on the grace of God who raises the dead. Ron and Aileen Justice and their family became members of the First Church of Christ in 1977. Ron's kids and Ron's grandkids were raised at First Church of Christ. Ron served as a deacon for six years. For eight years, he was our maintenance person. Ron could do anything with his hands. He kept the place going. And Ron was a joy to have around the building and a joy to talk with. He'd drop in the office and we'd have little conversations and he was just a joy. But we began to notice that Ron's appearance was changing. He began to lose weight. Now, he was skinny to begin with. His color changed. His energy level tanked. He finally went to the doctor, and I told Joyce, I hope it's not what I think it is. And it was. He was diagnosed with leukemia. And the next two years began the battle to save his life. And for two years, his family was on this emotional roller coaster trying to save Ron's life. There were times when Ron was good, better, and worse, good, better, and worse. And then it got just good and worse, good and worse. And then it got worse and worse and worse. Ron was in the hospital. The treatments were not working. 
And the doctors told Ron and his family there's absolutely nothing else that we can do. Ron was terminal and told them they should probably start investigating hospice. The family called me, told me what the doctor said. And what, what happened was just like Paul, he had, Ron had received the sentence of death. I went to the hospital. I pulled up my, my chair beside his bed. And I said, Ron, I understand today you got some good news and bad news. And the good news is that soon you're going to be in heaven. You're going to be with Jesus, in the very presence of Jesus, out of this suffering that you've been going through for two years. But the bad news is you have to leave us to do it. And his eyes glistened, and he said, yes, yes, we talked. Ron wasn't afraid. He didn't want to leave his family, of course. He wasn't afraid. He was a man of faith. But like all of us, he didn't want to leave his family. He was a young man. But he trusted in God who raised the dead. Now, if you think I'm a huge Wildcat fan, you should have met Ron. He was a huge Wildcat fan. He said to me, well, D, I won't get to see the Wildcats play this season. I said, Ron, Ron, buddy, think about this. Think about this. You're going to meet Adolf Rupp before I do. <laughs> and he smiled, and he said, I hope, I really hope he's there. <laughs> and we had a good laugh. I took Ron's hands in mine. And held him. I said, Ron, I want you to do something for me. And he looked surprised and he said, Ellie, what can I do for you now? I said, Ron, my mama died when I wasn't quite four, but I still remember my mama. I have not seen my mama for 62 years. And I think, I think you're going to see my mama before I do. And will you tell her, I love her. And it won't be as long as it has been until I see her. And Ron reached up and patted me on the face. He said, LD, I will. <laughs> For you, I will. I will. How could we face Ron's death like that? And I look at folks from First Church here today who face the same thing, face the same thing, thing. How in the world can you face death like that? What did Paul say? We had received the sentence of death, but we rely on God who raises the dead. That's our faith. That's our belief. We practice that. We proclaim that. Seven years ago, July the 3rd, next Sunday, we gathered at First Church of Christ all decked out in our UK apparel, and we celebrated Ron's life, believing in God who raises the dead. That's our faith. That's our comfort. 
That's our hope. Pray with me. Father, help us in this world full of desperation, despair, in the most difficult times that we're living in, not for us, but for the whole world. Help us, Father, to be a community of faith that believes in a sovereign God who is still in control of this world and in control of history. Help us to not be pessimistic because we know you win, Lord Jesus. Help us to be a community of comfort to those who come here with broken lives, to those who come here who have made such bad decisions that it has destroyed their life and the life of those that they love. And they come here. Help us, Father, to fortify them and comfort them and realize we believe in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who raises the dead. And, Father, until our journey is over, Help us to be a community of hope. Hope in God who raises the dead. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name because you've conquered death, hell, and the grave. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.